This interview is made possible by my friends at Athens Screen Printing, HP Overhead Door Company, Speedy Tech Repair, Tinsley Law and Title, and Gibson Pharmacy. Their sponsorship allows me to provide free content to the community. Please say thank you by shopping these local businesses and by following each of their Facebook pages. Hello friends, this is Michael with Hannigan Media and I am in the courtroom of Henderson County Judge Wade McKinney. How are you doing today? Thank I'm you. doing great, Michael. Yourself? I'm doing fabulous. Okay, so um, today I want to talk about something that um, I'm not sure many people think about because the county judge actually is a judge and does judicial things. Yes, very much. Because even when my kids ask me, okay, so what's the county judge do? Or somebody asks me who isn't familiar with Texas government, I, I, a lot of the times I'd say, well, the county judge is like the mayor of the county. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're talking about that side, the admin side, um, that is what you are right. in a city that the mayor and the city manager are the same person, mm-hmm. that would be a big part of what you do, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, I'd agree with that. I mean, the budget, constitutionally, that's the budget, huge part of who exactly. you are. However, you do have a courtroom, and you are called a judge. Yes. What... And and you and you do like to have the phone ring during podcasts. That's twice. You yeah. won't, you're going to take like my that. phone up. No, no, no. I love it. I love it. It's just it's just that reality that people love. All right. So um, tell me what. And you just ran a few of them down. And as long as I've been covering commissioner's court, I didn't even know. So tell me what a few of the judicial uh, responsibilities you have. In Henderson County, uh, the county judge is responsible for a portion of the probates that take place. Of course, that is when an individual has a will and follows the probating system. Uh, We have, of course, the mental court, uh, guardianships, occupational driver's license. Uh, Yes, um, we can do marriages. We also are the appellate court for our justice courts here in the county and our municipal courts, um, being um, speeding tickets and such that, that someone wishes to appeal up out of the municipal court. There are numerous things. Um, actually can hear civil cases in some regards up to a certain dollar amount. Uh, it's quite an in-depth yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I didn't, I, again, I, I wasn't aware that there are quite that many responsibilities. Yeah. Now, so I know COVID throws everything into craziness, and yes, we'll talk about COVID later, but right. COVID skews everything. Before COVID, how much of your time was spent in judicial tasks? 40 to 50% of my time. Really? Half yes. your time, Half was, my time was spent on these kind of judicial tasks. Right. All right, and so there was actually, uh, and it's interesting to me, there was actually a big change to um, what JP courts can handle Yes. Um, just this month. And, and what was that? Yeah, September 1, um, the legislature back at the 86th legislature, the last one that met in 19, increased the dollar amount threshold for justice courts, of which they could hear and have jurisdiction over, from $10,000 to $20,000. All right, so so my neighbor mm-hmm. crashes into my fence. Mm-hmm. 
does $15,000 worth of damage and doesn't want to pay me for it. Mm -hmm. I can take them to JP court and sue them for that $15,000. Exactly. And we've seen it over over the years, um, over the last couple of decades, as the population has increased in Texas, the demand on the judicial system has increased, of course. And as a way of handling cases, they have gradually, over the last number of years, increased the threshold for the justice courts, whereas previously, a case with that monetary value to it would be at a higher court, at a court at law or district court. So the the phrase that goes through my mind, and I and it might be a Yankee thing or whatever, but I, I think small claims court, mm-hmm. and that's what that is. But twenty thousand dollars is not small to me. Not in my mind, no. It's not in my <laughs> mind at all. I'm, right. I was thinking more like five hundred dollars, right? And so a twenty thousand dollar threshold is fairly high. So there could be some some real, um, real cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I don't want to the, say the, that no, in a the, way that are. I'm saying like the $500 case is you know, not a real are, case. There are but. debt collection cases that are run through justice courts now, depending on that dollar amount. Uh, they can get, uh, in our minds, those of us that are over 50, which would see these as being very large cases, um, being held in the judicial courts. They do some some fantastic work at that level to keep the system moving. I don't know whether that's because of my age or because of my paycheck. I think that that $20,000 is a pretty high number, but we're going to let that go. All right, so the way the system is set up, I go in and let's take that thing. The, the fence gets knocked mm-hmm. down by the neighbor, $15,000. There's a uh, a case, a lawsuit filed at the local Justice of the Peace, and I lose, I can actually appeal to your court. Correct. It, it can. On that appeal, it can come to it comes to the county court, and we run it through that process again, and just as it would with any other appeal. Okay, so now this is interesting because of all, uh, you're not required to be an attorney to be the county judge, correct? That is true. And the justice of the peace, Same not, required not required to be an attorney either, correct? Right, right. The law simply states that they must be well-versed in the law. Well, and I mean, you guys do a whole lot of uh, training. And, yes. And I know that you take, uh, uh, what do they call them, CEUs, yes. career education, whatever. Right. And I, I know you go through a lot of those kind of classes. We do, and um, we have those requirements that we have to meet, and plus there are many nights uh, I sit you know, by the lamp, laying in bed, reading law books or reading journals to better equip myself, and so do the other uh, justice courts as well. And now um, we know a great uh, prescription for insomnia yeah, well, yes, is reading. to read legal books <laughs> in bed, which yes. will take care of that real quick. Okay. And I still like paper, by the way, when of I'm course. reading those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're both sitting here with notebooks in front of us, so we know how that goes. All right. One of the things that I always think of when I think of um, the county judge's courtroom 
is mental health issues. And mm-hmm. isn't that a big part of what you do? It is. Mental health is a large portion of what I do. But um, the other, other judges in the county can do them as well. But given of our availability and close proximity, it has traditionally been the county judge that has handled those as the quote-unquote mental magistrate. Yeah. Now, okay, so... What exactly does that mean? Oh, wow. I mean, um, what, what is it exactly that you're making decisions on? A, a mental magistrate is an individual that is set to evaluate the evidence that is brought before them based upon application from someone about an indiv- other individual's behavior. So, so I come to you and I say, judge my wife, whoever, right. is having a breakdown, has a mental health issue, I need your help. Right. At that point in time, um, they have to be medically cleared so that a um, any type of opinion that is made is not being influenced by any type of um, drug or alcohol because of those situations. You can't even have medical conditions that are strictly medical that can influence Uh, behavioral health along that line. So there are steps that must be taken before an individual can actually be held for evaluation. Now, it's interesting to me that um, that's a couple of times you've done that now where I have used the phrase mental health and you have changed it to behavioral health. <laughs> Why exactly are you doing that? What do you what well, what is the idea behind that? And uh, I'm sure there's individuals out there that work in the field, but in my opinion that I am working from, you have mental health, which is either a a genetic situation that causes that precludes itself to a mental incapacity. Uh, you have another side of it that is considered behavioral health that is influenced by environment that causes four different type of, let's call it, say, psychosis that is not genetically based. So when you have mental health, this is, this is a condition that is wired in. Mm-hmm. The behavioral health is the effects of the environment that has helped to cause certain behaviors. So I keep the two separate, and they, they're very hard to differentiate, but they are very important in the process when you are um, handling these types of situations. When you're making a decision whether you want to keep someone for observation or whatever, because that's what you're being asked to do. Exactly. You're being asked to say, would you please take this person right. and, and order them into a situation where they're with a doctor and they're, you know, exactly in a... Uh, institute for a certain amount of time. It is no different than an individual that is being um, suspected um, of an, uh, an infraction of the law being arrested and held. You know, we are taking an individual's rights of freedom, of, mm-hmm. of mobility, away, be it either under the criminal, as you would have in a normal case, or in a, me- in a mental situation because you are 
taking that right of movement away from an individual. So we have to be very, very careful as we move forward. And one of the reasons for the medical clearance to begin with is because in times past, uh, we, we hear many of the horror stories of where things have gone wrong, where someone comes in to a judge's office somewhere in Texas and says, I've got to have some help now, and was very convincing. And the judge, okay, we're doing this. Here it is. And actually, that individual that was asking for another individual to be observed had ulterior motives to clean the house out or anything along that line. It was a way of getting them removed when actually that wasn't possibly the case. That's why the medical clearance is an absolute must because in some cases there's documented evidence and something that we look at that a urinary tract infection can cause for some to exhibit behavior, mental behavioral health issues. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what we're talking about is the ability to differentiate between yes. those kinds of things. Uh, and I think it's important to say right now that um, what you're talking about and the people that you're um, dealing with are people who are having behavioral issues mm -hmm. based on perceived mental health issues. Right. There is a huge mental health um, problem across our nation, I right. believe, with people dealing with anxiety and mm -hmm. depression and and those kinds of issues, but that's not what we're talking about here. No, but they can lead to it because, mm -hmm. like I said, mental health and behavioral health are so much alike that you have to treat them both up to a certain point the same way. And um, given our society today where we read all the time the elevated anxiety, COVID, sure, you know, this anxiety can cause for behavioral issues, um, outside stimulus causing for these behavioral issues. And I remember remember back 20 years ago when we heard about the impact of narcotics on the developing mind. Sure. And how they referred to them as crack babies. Yes. You know, and, how, and how that chemically alters the processes of the, of the brain. And even issues like that can come into play in this. That's why is it a mental um, stimulus or is it a behavioral stimulus? It's very difficult at times. And, of course, we all know the, the state of Texas um, has a system that is not ideal when trying to treat these individuals. We have facilities um, with very limited number of beds, um, both for what is done through this court, which is called a civil commitment, and even more restricted of what is called a criminal um, a, a criminal commitment, and that's in relation to a, to a um, charge or such. Um, it's very difficult in the state of Texas. Uh, is in, or excuse me, the state of Texas is very limited on its resources, and if it is a um, non-insurance capable situation, it's even more limited because there's plenty of 
private facilities that take insurance and things to to help with these issues but as you know the state-sponsored or the um, clinics for individuals who cannot afford it just are not there yeah that was going to be my next question is that it seems you know and we've heard this before over the past several years that there's a real lack of uh, facilities, a mm-hmm. real lack of services, uh, mental health professionals. Um, and I've heard that in Henderson County before. What's your, what's your feeling or your take on that? Is, that? is that something, number one, is that an issue? And number two, yes. what can we do to bridge that gap? It, it is an issue, not only um, in Henderson County, Texas, but nationally. It truly is. Um, the services are not available for those really who do not have insurance. And it has been something that has not been addressed nationwide. And as we have had the growing instances, as we spoke, spoke about, of narcotic-related psychosis, uh, it is something that at the federal level that there is funding for. But as you moved into the state and local areas, uh, funding is not quite as available for that. So, therefore, there is no state and local sponsored treatment facilities. Right. Or uh, very few. Um, The state directs its funding toward, as we know in our region, the Andrews Center. Yeah. Which does provide services, but those services are somewhat limited, uh, given the fact that their resources are very limited. Sure. And so um, as the uh, resident local liberal, mm-hmm. <laughs> not that liberal guy, no, just no, a little, no. just a little. No. But uh, there's the idea that there's a lot of... Um, I get it that there would be a lot of cost mm-hmm. involved yes. in trying to build up some of these mental health services and some of the mental health infrastructure. Right. But the argument's been made that that's one of those things where you pay a little bit up front mm-hmm. to get it, and you end up reaping the reward on the back end because the, the um, lack of mental health services ends up costing our community more money down the line. Is that something that you've seen or oh, that you yeah. buy into? Or? No, no, I, I agree with that completely. Um, a, what is it? A um, ounce of prevention is worth a pound, pound of, of cure. Of cure. Yeah. I mean, it, it plays out into this. But um, <clears throat> the issue truly is, is that it's not singularly a local issue. Being a a statewide issue, it has to have approach coming from all directions, partnering state and local to get it done. And at this point in time, there has not been enough, um, I don't want to say interest, but um, resources at the state level, uh, most definitely, to put toward that type of effort because... If you have a location, say, Henderson County began such an operation, and to impact yourself, to have the most impact locally so that the resources weren't expended outside of Henderson County by individuals coming in, uh, I don't know that we could prevent that. So it would be a lot of money being spent 
with only a portion of that having impact in Henderson County. And because the minute you did something like that and you provided those you services, in. Smith County, Van Zandt County, exactly. Kaufman County, all of those kind of people would be flowing into the county to take advantage of the services exactly. that you were providing. Exactly. And because it, I think that's key that you said, yeah. like this is not a Henderson County problem. This is, and this, I'll go as far as to say this is not a Texas problem. This is Nationwide. a national problem right. that all over, whether you're old or young, whether you're from New York, California, or Texas, right? You, you, this, this problem is in your community. It is, and we see it more and more. And when you have individuals that are suffering from um, this affliction. Uh, they react and try to handle the situation the best they can, and that leads to other things. You know, you have you hear the term self-medication. Well, you can self-medicate yourself with alcohol. You can self-medicate yourself with marijuana. You can self-medicate yourself anything to bring that somewhat of a comfort, something that relieves that anxiety. Talking to the sheriff uh, mm-hmm. recently, we talked the number one, uh, obviously the number one drug of choice of Henderson County is methamphetamine. Right. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit in a minute about a cool DEA thing you got going. Right. But methamphetamine is definitely the drug of choice. Number two is illegal prescription drugs. Yes. Number yes. two drug of choice, Henderson County, illegal prescription drugs. These are people who have been on these drugs for whatever reason and are now getting them illegally because mm-hmm. their prescriptions ran out or whatever. Right. You know, individuals coping. Yeah. You know, individuals coping. And um, we all have um, our demons or our issues or our insecurities. You can name them whatever you want, but it's individuals trying to deal with the, with themselves that begin leading down this path. It's um, it's really an indictment on where we are today as, as a world, as a society, is that um, there's no place for individuals to go, possibly within their family, within their community, that gets that kind of support. And I don't mean um, monetary support. I mean that emotional support. Sure. You know, we used to be a community, a nation of community. And as we, as our community, as a nation, and our bonds of brotherhood and fellowship has fallen away, these type of issues has continued to rise. The world has just gotten so fast. <laughs> well, that's true. That's well, true. I, but that's what you, you need to slow down. We do. To have community. We do. How many people sit at the table and have dinner now? We, None, because you got to you got to run. You, you got to run. We are two old yes. guys who have young kids. Yeah. Yes, it we are. Just <laughs> happens to be that way, um, and that is the way it goes. I mean, you rarely get that opportunity to just sit down and eat because mm-hmm. you got to go to practice or you have to go mm-hmm. to a class or something is happening somewhere that you have to get to. Right. Everything is a hundred <clears throat> miles an hour all the time. Add to that that the amount of information being generated daily is the same amount of information that was generated in a year exactly. just a decade ago. Right. And we're trying to sift through all of that and understand it. And, you know, your phone going off reminding you that, you know, you forgot the report you were supposed to do this morning at 10 o'clock this morning. Um, yeah, and it's no wonder that we're not all. Yeah. 
in, in a bad spot. Well, it, and it goes back to, I go to the, all these old sayings because um, the greatest generation and those individuals had a huge impact on me. I was very close to my grandparents. And one of the old sayings that I heard was that if you want a good dog, you have to spend time with it. Sure. If you want a good horse, you have to spend time with it. If you want a good family, if you want a good community, you have to invest the time. And that is what it all boils down to. All right. Well, that was uh, that was an interesting uh, discussion. <laughs> I was not sure exactly which way that was going to go, um, but that was very interesting. Uh, we can't solve that problem no, right we now, can't. folks. We can't. But let's wrap that up by saying the county judge has a lot of judicial duties um, yes, and yes. deals with um, <laughs> more in the courtroom than even I knew about, and that the mental health issues. Uh, while it may not be the biggest portion of what you do, is certainly one that I'm sure weighs on your heart yes, and your mind very as much. you work through that. All right, let's move on to the next thing. You know, we we mentioned it uh, just in passing a few minutes ago, but uh, a very cool uh, DEA program. Yes, that got uh, approved again uh, yesterday during uh, Commissioner's Court. Yeah, um, the, the commissioner's court and the, the sheriff's office re-entered its contractual agreement with the DEA and its seven-county task force that is coordinated out of the Tyler office. And this has been very beneficial relationship that Henderson County has had with the, the DEA. Uh, you have the pooling of resources that is made available through this contract from um, authorities all over the region. And as you know, that um, drug interdiction is not just local, it's regional. And you may have things that relate, say, over at Kilgore here in Athens. And it's a way of being able to bring focus and energy to that drug interdiction. Wait a minute. So you're saying do drug dealers don't respect the county line? That, that's what I hear. No, that, that's what I hear. I, it's, you know. I'm shocked either. <laughs> uh, I know that the sheriff really um, talks well about this program. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that there is an officer actually stationed here locally. Yes. There throughout the area. Um, and just recently, um, because of this DEA operation, there was a very large, very large, uh, meth dealer taken down in Athens. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest ones in the County. Um, I believe he said 22 kilos, which is it about was huge. something like that's almost like 50 pounds. I yeah. believe. No, it was, it was absolutely massive and, yeah. and a big, one of those kinds of arrests where you take that much off and you affect the supply in Henderson County for a period of time, which is what you really want to happen. Exactly. Um, <laughs> to relate that, when we had the run on the on toilet paper, <laughs> you know, they can't restock this stuff real fast. Yeah, you can't restock. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for putting that into perspective, Judge. Well, the reason I say that is because it's true. When you're able to make those sure. type of impacts on the supply, then it buys you a little breathing room to be able to regroup 
and maybe make it harder. And even to the fact of when you take a couple of those down, you make the others go, ooh, hmm. No, we, absolutely. We need to think about this Absolutely, a bit, and it maybe. wasn't long after that that another fairly large dealer mm-hmm. was arrested um, in a Henderson County operation from right. the Henderson County Sheriff's Office. And mm-hmm. the neat thing about this is, and it goes back to what you were saying when we were talking about the mental health issue, um, a lot of this stuff is regional. Like it doesn't stop at the county line, right. and so when you're when you're sharing that information and you're working together, it works so much better. So the different locations can do the can do the daily interdictions, getting the users, getting the small dealers, but right. all of that flows into the DEA, which then can put together a case against the bigger dealers. And take them down. Right. And when you look at the impact of illegal narcotics, they drive, that drives most of our thefts, most of our CPS, most of many of the issues that we have. When you talk about the root, you, if this is not the tap root, it is close to it. No, I'm, the sheriff always says that if you look in the jail, 85% of the people back there are there. Right because of um, substance abuse. Now, it may not be that they're back there for a drug charge, right? but whatever they're back there for is somehow connected to their exactly. substance abuse. Um, and we see that, and that's been like that for years. For years. So what's the cost for the, the county for this DEA program? Minimum. Very minimum. We ended up we end up pointing to a we have a designated uh, sheriff's officer, and it's in the overtime. Everything else, anything. Oh yeah, that's that's all it is. Yeah, we did. We ended up uh, we ended up talking to the sheriff this morning, and the uh, folks from Orange County are still there. Yes, we have those, which there. is bringing in about forty thousand dollars a week. Right. So one week. Paid for the DEA thing. And interesting, when you have a big um, seizure, yeah, the proceeds of the seizure are divvied up among the participating members. And if you'll remember, um, recently um, with our communication system, one t- complete tower is being paid out of the proceeds wow. of one of these previous busts. Wow. So there's so many added that's, pluses. That's significant. It, very significant because we're talking $200,000 was the yeah. share. Right. You know, um, it's really a fantastic program that just by its very, very nature, you don't know much about. But the impact of it is really far-reaching in several areas. Well, and that's the kind of thing, I mean, you don't – Joe, normal Joe every day mm-hmm. walking down the street who's not plugged in to the drug culture right. in Henderson County has no idea sometimes these things are happening. Yeah. Um, because even when we uh, publicize some of these smaller busts or whatever, sometimes the big busts the, the DEA are getting, they go unpublicized That's for right. a variety of reasons. And so you don't really hear about them. Right. All right. Great program. So glad that we're still involved with that uh, because while we're talking about mental health and everything else today, uh, we know, like you said, if you want to get to the actual root of a lot of the problems in Henderson County, you're going to be talking about probably a combination of substance abuse, drug abuse, and poverty. Yeah. Those three are the three things that 
are at the root of a lot of the issues. It is. Not only our county, but every county mm-hmm. in Texas. Right. All right. So let's finish up with uh, COVID, uh, our weekly COVID report. <laughs> and, um, you know, this should be very short because here's the report, folks. We're in the same place as we were last week. We are. The great thing is, is that the further we get into the school year and the further we're now, we're, what, eight days past um, the holiday, the, holiday, the Labor, Labor, Day, Labor Day, and we're still going right along. We've so, had football games. We've exactly. We've had volleyball games. We've had kids in school. Um, and our, what we always look at, we immediately go to the hospitalizations. If you're a regular listener, you know that, yes, there, there are changes daily to the net health statistics. Mm-hmm. Right. But sometimes they are subject to data dumps. Sometimes there right. are odd things that happen on the day. So we don't look at those day to day. Right. And we like to watch the hospitalizations because we know – that is a legit human being that's sick. Uh, head in a bed. And that has come down to about 170? Yeah, 167, 162. Which is nice. That's a drop from last week, it and is. we're still dropping. It puts us back to where we were in that... July 10th, July 12th area, Um, as we've said multiple times, in our trauma service area, which is the trauma service area G, which is Tyler Longview, covering uh, 19 counties, we have come down, um, been at a plateau, slowly coming down from a high of 272 down to what was um, our newest low since... uh, mid-July of the 169 is what it is, 169. Okay. And um, you see the state is seeing – it has come down. I think it's in the 3,000 range now, um, 3,300 that are hospitalized from a high of almost 11,000. So, so so that's what we're seeing in a crowd. Exactly. And that's what we've been seeing for the last few weeks. Yeah. A lot of different reasons for that. It's very, very encouraging. You and I sat here three, four weeks ago and said, look, we're in a good place. The question is, will we still be in a good place by the end of September? Exactly. And and I am feeling pretty confident, pretty positive about the way things are going right now. The other thing is um, I talked to a physician who has an office up on Cedar Creek Lake Mm -hmm. yesterday. And he said that while they're still seeing just as many people coming in getting tested, just as many people coming in to get a COVID test and positive and all that, they are seeing, they are definitely seeing a decline in people coming in sick. Right. And so that's why we look at those hospitalizations. Exactly. It's, a, it's a decline in the illness right. in our community. You know, the, the hospital system, we were said back in the beginning, we go back again, the sure. overwhelming of the hospital system, and it weathered it. Uh, so much so, last week, I believe, um, Parkland Hospital closed its COVID unit, and it now ble- and is re- repurposing it back into a med surge unit. Yeah. And um, it's positive signs all the way through. Through. Yeah, regular we, surgeries are back on. Right. And things are things are happening the way they were oh. before. I I also look around, and this is just my observation. Um, you know, we've gone through this whole mask debate, and people mm-hmm. arguing, and 
and we've had some there were moments over the summer where things were really kind of contentious <laughs> tense yes um yes. and i'm sure that there's still some places like that however for the most part what i have observed is people who are naturally now social distancing mm-hmm. who are wearing their mask in obvious mask situations like you walk into a grocery store right not 80% of the people in there are masked up mm-hmm. um, and trying to keep a wide berth right. and doing those kinds of things pretty nice. I see the same thing at football games. Mm-hmm. I see when people are in the stands sitting with their family away from everybody, they're being Masks normal. Down. Right. The minute they get up to go somewhere, they pop their mask on, they walk wherever they're walking, come back, sit with the family, mask comes off. Right. Very... It, which is the way I act too, and I'm and I'm seeing that. I don't. I, I'm interested in what you're seeing because that's what I'm observing in our community, and that's what I'm observing as well. Uh, you see individuals that are, as we said from the beginning, taking responsibility and doing what they can to what they feel is the appropriate thing to do. And we see individuals that are, you know, the hardest habit to break has been the shaking of hands. You know, yeah. that, that sure. is the universal greeting now. Especially and, for those of us of, of a certain age, yes. you automatically stick your hand yeah, out. It's like, hey, I'm being rude if I don't. So there are less opportunities now for the spread based on people's behavior. And it is our hope, my hope, that as the science progresses, the observation of the scientific process takes place, and we get a better feel for what the um, coronavirus is or was, we can be better prepared for it because as time goes by, as we talked about last week, the article out of the New York Times, you know, there will be these um, post-ops of how we responded. Sure. And it will get better, and we'll learn from that and be better off for it. You were talking about the discussion we had last week about the sensitivity of the test. Yes. If you're interested in that, listen to last week's podcast. We guys, we got into that pretty good. It's a very interesting. It is. Very interesting discussion. All right. Well, uh, guys, we're going to wrap it up with that. Uh, Judge, thank you for giving us a little peek inside the county government. Um, I think it's uh, – truthfully, it's interesting to me. I think that everybody kind of – or everybody, but municipalities mm-hmm. get covered very well, Yes, I think. Um, they have local newspapers or whatever. They cover them, and people understand what happens at their their city hall. Right. A lot better than they understand what happens at the county level. And so I appreciate this chance to uh, take a look in at our county government. Yeah, the, When you look at county government, it is a unique beast. Nowhere else do you have 26 different elected officials yeah, all tr- <laughs> in all one organization. Working together. <laughs> we do. And, um, yeah, everybody's got their own fiefdom. I know. I know how that goes. Um, all right. So we'll be – we got how many? What? Elected officials? Oh, 26. All right. So we got 26 more episodes to go. So, <laughs> all right. Thank you. And we will see you next week, Judge. <laughs> Thanks, Michael.